What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your host, James Jackson, joined by my guy, residential statistician, Stat Matt Robinson. No Kyle Sierra today. He has the week off. He's uh, he's actually preparing for finals over there in the University of Pittsburgh. But you remember finals, man? You remember like the stress of having to deal with finals? I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. We're talking about giving thanks. That's one thing I might be most thankful for is, is yeah. not having to deal with the, the stress of, of college finals. So our guy, the only Kyle, thing that happens is you still get those stress dreams like years later. And you're just I know, like, like PTSD, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like, wake, like waking up and being like, oh, my God, did I do all my assignments? And then remember like, oh, yeah, I'm an adult, which which comes with a whole other type of stress. We don't even have to get into that. But what we will get into is talking about. You know, the, the Indianapolis Colts. I, I feel like we're on this this theme of talking about like the most interesting team week after week because a, a different one gets presented, right? It was the Steelers, and we talked about the Saints, the Ravens, and now we're on to the Colts, and that presents us with the facts straight at you. Right now, the Colts have a 54% chance to win the AFC South, according to ESPN Next Gen Stats. If they beat the Titans this weekend, that number jumps up to, eight, to above 80%, but if they lose... It goes down to 14%. And we know the AFC is the is the wild, wild west or the wild, wild AFC right now. So in the midst of all that, I think the question we got to ask ourselves and that we have to answer is how real are the Colts? Uh, are we talking about them as legitimate contenders with the Chiefs and the Steelers? Are we talking about them just winning the AFC South? Are we talking about them just getting a wild card? Where, where do we peg the Colts? Because to me, they're one of the most interesting teams in the league right now. I peg them as the team with the best chance to knock off the Steelers and Chiefs. I think they match up actually really well with the Steelers because I think they're two good defenses. It just comes down to out coaching, and I really like Frank Reich as a coach. And uh, I, obviously, yeah. I, obviously, you like Frank Reich as a coach. And I still, I I love that they don't have any expectations like. This is, a, this is a team that lost like their prodigy quarterback just two years ago, and they still had that semblance of just the base of a good team in place, and it only took them a year to get back by getting a proven vet like Phillip Rivers, and this could be Phillip Rivers' like Hall of Fame shot. Like, uh, he, if he wants to, he could solidify a Hall of Fame. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna do this right no, now. But not, if he, get, he has a shot to like get anyone who says no to say yes this year. Because I think I think this is an open season. Because the Colts have a lot. The Chiefs are happy. They're just great. Like they're not gonna. They don't have that same competitive drive that they did last year because they barely lost the year before that. I think they have a really good shot of winning uh, wild. Like you said, a wild AFC. They're great at defense, which has been understated. They're holding quarterbacks to only eighty point five percent passer rating and opponents to 3.5 yards per carry. That's the type of defense that can really shut down even an offense fueled by maybe even like Pat Mahomes or Ben Roethlisberger, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, maybe. And and the, that's something that returns from last year's Colts to this year's Colts, is that is that defense. Last year, the, the Colts' defense was really above average, was really good. It was the offense that wasn't quite there. They were led by Jacoby Percent last year. Like you said, they lost Andrew Luck. And then this year coming in, they get Phillip Rivers, who, I mean, Everyone knows the 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 great career Philip Rivers had. Right now is not the discussion of whether he's a Hall of Famer. Right now is the discussion of can he lead this Colts team, you know, past to you know, past to where they've been, past the second round, past the division round, maybe to an AFC title game, or the end all be all Super Bowl. And if the last two weeks are any indication, it, that's a yes. 
two big wins the last two weeks. One against the Titans and then and a, a very impressive come from behind victory against the Packers. They were like my my winners of this past week in the NFL. And that's something that that Phillip Rivers isn't quite used to, right? Like he's used to coming from behind and then falling off, falling up just short. And this time he comes from behind and they actually seal the deal and win it against the Packers. Philip Rivers, Rivers saw the forced fumble and he thought, oh my gosh, I didn't know that could happen to my teams. Right, right. Like, like good fortune can happen to my squad as well. Um, but I mean, the, I think we're seeing a really complete Indianapolis Colts team. And I think the AFC, like you're, you're shooting for that top end. Because if you go into the middle, there's, there's a, it's, it's such a jumbly mess in the middle of that to where, you know, one game could decide if whether you're the first wildcard team or you're just out of the playoff race altogether. They're definitely shooting for the AFC South crown right now. They lead that AFC South, you know, with, with the, with that head to head matchup with the Titans. So and the it, win, it, they, they, they already have the win over them, which is big. And they beat them convincingly winning by 17, really shut down Tannehill. Um, and Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry got like some of his, but not all of his in that game. And I think someone like, I think when I'm talking about motivation, I'm talking about someone like Justin Houston, who left the Chiefs right before they won the Super Bowl and went to the Colts. And now he would love nothing more than to like mess up an AFC title game against his former team and get what he missed out by leaving a year early. And those, I, I love this semblance of veterans that the Colts have that like don't have chips. Like even T.Y. Hilton is getting up there with veteran this is a team that is just hungry, hungry, hungry. And yeah, and their defense with Darius Leonard, who's one of the best young linebackers in all of football, uh, they're, I just like, they're just good at everything. They're not bad. They're just, I like the solidness of the foundation of the team. Uh, me too. And I think that they're on the same path and of the same makeup as what I think make, makes a really successful football team, good defense and a solid running game. And, and, They've taken turns, you know, with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines both going off in separate weeks. And it's about time that, you know, that gets put together in, in one game plan. I think that's the next step for the Colts. If they can get both of them going in the same game consecutive weeks, they're going to be tremendously hard to stop. We know Naeem Hines coming into this past weekend had two 100-plus yards games. And then this week, Jonathan Taylor has, what, 90-plus yards and a touchdown, does, does his thing on the ground too. So they're, that's, they're a, really that's a great sign of a good offensive line that they can be that the running back almost doesn't matter because the blocking's so good. And talking about offensive line, they've only allowed nine sacks on Phillip Rivers all year, ten if you include a Jacoby Brissett play. That's how you protect your 39-year-old veteran quarterback by not letting him take hits. That keeps him healthy throughout the whole season. And it fact, it's so important that they're doing that, and they're they're doing everything good teams need to do to win. Yep, it's especially like when, when it gets tough, they, they got to come from behind and beat teams. Phil Rivers is doing his thing too. His turnover percentage has gone down from last year, 2.3%, down from 3.4% last year. doesn't seem like a huge decline, but that's keeping the ball in your hands, keeping the other team off the field, not giving extra possessions to the other team. We know Phillip Rivers can go out and, and throw for, you know, 4,000 plus yards in his sleep, but interceptions over the past couple of years has, has been a problem for Phillip Rivers. He's brought that down. Is Philip Rivers, Rivers brought? Is, is he the reason that the the Colts have made this jump? Like, is it is it just him, or is he is the it, biggest reason? He might be I, the biggest reason. He's the biggest reason, and it's not because like he's playing out of his mind. He's just like 16th in the league in passer rating. He, but being a stable quarterback 
is all you need when you have a good foundation everywhere else. And that's what Philip Rivers brings. Jacoby Brissett, like, he's not, he's for backups, he's a good. But if you're just talking about, like, he's not going to win you games. Rivers can win you games even at this, like, age. Uh, and, like, about the interception percentage, last year he was 30th in the league in interception percentage. This year, nothing special, but he's, like, middle of the pack. He's, like, 15th in. Th- Interception percentage, Wait, which makes a difference. Down. Makes a difference. Right, mm-hmm. and and you made a good point. Like I don't think Jacoby Brissett is is anywhere of a bad quarterback, but he's not a quarterback that's going to win you some games. Phil Rivers can win you some games. He can keep that spark, but he's got to be he's got to be stable. Like they don't win against the Packers if Jacoby Brissett is their starter. That, that very good point. Like exactly tying a bow on on that argument. Like Jacoby Brissett can, or I'm sorry, Philip Rivers can bring that spark and stay stable at the same time. And I think that's what the Colts needed. The Colts needed stability. You can't be turning the ball over, but we need a quarterback who who can gunsling a little bit, who can who can go and put up these big numbers and win us some games. And, and I don't think Jacoby Brissett was quite there. But what is interesting is they do legitimately run like a two quarterback set, not not like. You know, what we see the Saints do, what we see like the Eagles try to do, where you're bringing in like a Wildcat quarterback. But Jacoby Brissett comes in in short yarded situations and really gets the job done, but still plays quarterback. He doesn't come in and and run like a a read option offense where, you know, he might be running the ball. He's still the quarterback. He's just better at short yarded situations than Phillip Rivers is. It's happened the past two games, both in Tennessee and against Green Bay. Jacoby Brissett was brought in these short yarded situations on third down, third and one third and two and he capitalized like both times and and especially in the green bay game and ended up leading to two philip rivers tds after they converted so he still has a place on this team there's i mean there's a reason they still re-signed jacoby Brissett to a two-year 21 million dollar deal like they they had use for him and he comes in and he shows it like i think that's that's very interesting and something that not a lot of teams do like taking your starter off in a very like serious situation and still using a backup quarter people underrate how important like that little thing is having a good mobile quarterback who can run play from the shotgun take the snap and just find the running lane that the blockers are mm-hmm. setting up because it it's an extra blocker that running backs don't have because when you take the when quarterbacks never block obviously so when a quarterback hands the ball off they're not a blocker but when you have just a quarterback in the backfield you can put an extra offensive lineman there so you you have the matchup you have the numbers in that situation and on third and fourth and shorts it's it's incredible um to it's an incredible advantage to have and i've seen it through college in the mid middle 2000s as and every good college plan gets implemented in the nfl just a couple years after that and it's and the smart teams are doing that now like and Frank Reich is obviously one of the smart coaches on a smart team. Right. And a, a very smart team. And right now it's, it's for obviously for the AFC South, we're not talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Houston Texans. We're talking about one of two teams winning that division, the Tennessee Titans or the Indianapolis Colts right now, who are deadlocked. As we mentioned, the Colts just have that tiebreaker, you know, winning that head to head matchup. It could get evened out, you know, this weekend. But if you had to choose one team right now, who are you choosing to win the AFC South? Are you choosing the Colts? Or are you choosing? I'm the taking the Colts, especially because they have the home game, uh, and I think they win, and that gives them essentially a two-game lead because they'll have a one-game lead with a guarantee of a tiebreaker. And I, I trust the 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 Titans. I know they made the AFC title game last year, but they were nine and seven. Uh, they've had some weird, shaky games this year that, mm-hmm. like like against Cincinnati, that really threw me off the scent. 
And I know like Indy lost to Jacksonville, but that was like week one and everyone's trying to figure the season out. Since then, their only losses have been to Cleveland and Baltimore, which are two good teams. So I, I trust Indy more than I trust Tennessee. So I, I have them winning the AFC South and I have them being the three seed in the AFC. In the AFC. That, that's that's tough going all the way to the three seed. But I, I think this weekend obviously is the indicator of what we're going to see of who's going to win this division. And it comes down to a head-to-head matchup. For me, and, and to me, whether you're talking about the Titans or the Colts, it's whoever wins at the point of attack that battle. It's it's to me the Colts defense versus the Titans running game. That's that's the deciding factor. If the Titans win in that running game, if Derrick Henry gets going, has you know 90 plus yards, 100 plus yards on the ground and a score, I think the Titans go on to win that game because we know how much that running game really sets the tempo for the Titans offense. But on the other side, it's a lot against Baltimore last week. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And if the Colts stop that, if the, if the Colts get that upper hand, now you're making Ryan Tannehill beat you. And Ryan Tannehill has only shown maybe one or two times in the past couple of years that he can beat you without the help of, of the Derrick Henry running game. If he gets that Derrick Henry running game, then Ryan Tannehill becomes a very good quarterback. But him having to beat you alone without that, he's shown the capability of doing that. So I think it's all it's on the Colts running game or the or the Colts defense versus the Titans running game right now. I trust the Colts defense more. We we talked about it for a whole, you know, a whole bunch of reasons, you know, holding opponents to an 80.5 pass rating, holding opponents to 3.5 yards per carry. That's the big one. That that's that's where it comes into play. And that's including a game against the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry before. It's not like we haven't seen them do it before. I think it's realistic that they do it again. I'm going Titans to, you know, to win this AF, or the Colts to win this AFC South. It's going to be a good race. 100%. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him in January in the AFC title game. I think. I think they're that good. I think right now there is a little bit of a drop off when you're talking about you know the the I Chiefs don't trust and the Pittsburgh. Steelers and everybody. They're else. ten and zero. They're ten and. Uh, they're very good, but I don't. They're t- they're they're not a ten and zero good team. They're like an really? eight and two good team. Why don't you? You said this about the Packers. You said this. You don't trust a lot of good teams. Like you don't. Tr- what makes you not trust the Steelers? I trust the Eagles them. played well against them. <laughs> that, okay. <that> was... <laughs> every every team's got every team's got a little got a little fluke game. They beat them though. I know. They, they, they were a field goal away from going up late in the fourth quarter. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely I trust the Steelers. One, I trust Mike Tomlin, one hundred percent. Of course, yeah. Coach I, of the year. I, I'm saying I think the Colts and Steelers are pretty evenly matched up where that game could be a 50-50 game. That's kind of where I'm seeing it. I do think that the Steelers out still outscore the Colts. Like, I, I think the Colts defense is going to make plays. It's going to make it tough for the Steelers. But the fact that, you know, the, the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger throw it all over the yard, it's going to be tough. Now, Phillip Rivers isn't adverse to throwing it all over the yard, too. A really balanced passing offense. They have seven different receivers with more than 200 yards uh, receiving this season. Not too many teams have that. But when you're talking about the Steelers with their array of weapons, how quickly they can score, I, I just think they're one notch above the Colts right now. It'll be a tough game. Like I think it's it's you, you said it, two teams that yeah, match up yeah, well. Yeah, that, that's very similar. that's very fair. That's very fair. Yeah, their 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 makeups are similar. I think the Colts or the Steelers are just one notch above the Colts right now. But let's transition. Let's talk about that AFC playoff picture right now because it, it's. It's sticky. It's a mess. We'll leave the Steelers and the Chiefs out of it. We, there's pretty much a given to make the playoffs. But you have seven teams vying for five, you know, five remaining spots. You have the Colts, Bills, Titans, and Browns. 
all in a game. Coles, Bills, Titans, and Browns, all seven and three. The Ravens, Dolphins, and Raiders, all six and four right now. So there's two teams that aren't going to make it. Who are those two teams that are going to be looking on the outside, you know, come playoff time? I'm going to go with the Browns and the Dolphins are my you two just teams. Don't, you just don't trust the Browns. I don't, it's because I trust the Ravens. It's more, I think, I think the Ravens overtake them and they lose a tiebreaker battle. I, I think the Browns are fine. I don't think they're not, they're another team. I don't think they're as good as the record. DVOA has them 17th, which middle of the pack. They didn't look that great against, a lot of my basis was how the teams play against the Eagles because the Eagles are so bad. Um, right. But, uh, they're two, the Ravens are just, they have the experience. They're six and four. They know they need to play really well down the stretch. Lost a couple of really close, tough games. And I think they they get past. Uh, they jump into the playoff picture. And I just think the Dolphins and Browns just like aren't, aren't. They're not there. They're, they're not, not there, there yet. They're right. I, I really like the Raiders. Uh, I thought they played great against the Chiefs on Sunday night. Just, you got Mahomes, which happens. You got and, they, and like, they almost swept the Chiefs, which is incredible. And Derek Carr played great. He's playing the best football he has had since the year he almost won MVP and broke his leg. I, I the Dolphins, the Dolphins are too inexperienced. And the Browns, I just think they're going to get tough luck. They're going to go 10 and 6 and miss the playoffs. Because of tiebreakers, because because of, of tiebreakers, I agree with you on the Dolphins. Um, I, I mean, they're not only are they too inexperienced, they're too inconsistent. You get a three and zero start from Tua, and then the next game he gets benched, and you put Ryan Fitzpatrick in again. Like there's there's too much wave. And, and you look at the Browns' schedule; they have three games left against. They have at Tennessee, home for the Ravens, and home for Pittsburgh. And they better hope that Pittsburgh game in Week 17, Pittsburgh's not trying to shore up a buy or anything, because mm. even if the Steelers are 15 and 0. If the Chiefs are fourteen and one, maybe they'll need that. We'll need, yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Only one team, because only if one only team one team gets a buy now, so only one team gets a buy. I, I do think we're we're gonna see teams playing all sixteen weeks because I don't see this. Uh, the Chiefs are in a groove right now. I don't really see them losing. You know, uh, you know, losing the rest of the season. Um, so I think the Steelers are gonna have to get every win that they need. But I'm gonna disagree with you about the Raiders. It's a little bit by default, but I, I do think I, I I do peg the Browns getting in over the Raiders. Now, it's it's tough, but I do trust the, the combination of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, you know, to, to balance out the Browns offense more than I trust, you know, a Derek Carr-led offense just right now. And and I think the Browns are playing just really good football. They, they're playing really good defensive football without Miles Garrett. Once they get Miles Garrett back, it's going to get very scary. We know how good that defensive front can be for the Browns. And I just think that the Raiders defense gets a little shaky at times. They've, they've gotten the doors blown off of them a couple of times. The Buccaneers put up 45 on them. You know, they got, you know, they, they got Mahomes, you know, this past weekend on Sunday night football. I just, when, when I, when I think of teams who are going to, to show up and, and, and hit the stride down the stretch, the Browns are already a game above them being at seven and three, the Raiders are at six and four. Maybe I'm just saying it for the sake of parody, but I do see something different in the Browns that I haven't seen in the past couple of years. Like I, I know Baker Mayfield gets shaky at times, but Kevin Stefanski is a very great coach, has them playing very good football. And, you know, I see the Browns getting in. I see, I see the Browns getting in, in that, in that fourth or fifth spot. For me, the Browns are way too inconsistent on offense. The last three games, their offensive put up six points, 10 points, and 13 points, because last week they had a pick six and a safety. 
So WWE's a W. I know, but like WWE's a W. Well, one of those was a loss to the Raiders. Uh, but like, and the other, and they only put up six again, a loss to the Ravens, and they only put up seven to a loss to the Steelers. But then their other games, they explode. 35 against the Bengals, 34 against Washington, 32 against the Colts, 49 against the Cowboys, 37 against the Bengals. Like, I don't trust the Browns offense to be there when they need it, which is why I like, I trust, you said you trust the Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Baker Mayfield. I trust uh, Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs better. True. Do you trust the Raiders defense? Not, no. not, the great, not the greatest I, defense I, out I, there, man. Not the greatest defense out there, man. I, I say the Browns lose on a tiebreaker. I think that tiebreaker is to the Raiders, who have the win over them. I think they both that, finished. That's true. Six. They do. They do have the head-to-head win right now. So uh, Matt goes with the 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 Browns and the Dolphins missing out. I go with the Raiders and the Dolphins missing out. Breaking it down by DVO, DVOA. The Colts right now, 5th in DVOA. The Bills, 12th in DVOA. Titans, 13th in DVOA. Browns, 17th. Ravens, 8th in DVOA. The Dolphins, 10th in DVOA. And the Raiders, 14th in DVOA. I'm I'm just going to say, the Bills aren't locked in. The Bills, they're not. not. I think the Bills could fall out, but I don't... I I trust them more than I trust the Dolphins. If they had a better competitor in their division, I'd be a little more worried, but... I think they're it's better funny than because the Bills are profiting this year from what the Patriots profited from for what eighteen to twenty years. We're just playing in a bad division. Like yeah. they're, they're seven and three, and they, you're right. They could. I see. I do see what two or three more losses in the Bills' future going down the stretch, but they're still going to win the AFC East. Like like think of Tom, Tom Brady got a buy when he went eleven and five just two years ago with the with the Patriots, and they made the Super Bowl because a lot because they had that buy. Last year, the Saints went thirteen and three, and were in the first round of the playoffs. Like that, Brady would never go thirteen and three, and be in the freaking first round. They always get the buys because of the easy division. And the Bills are, like you said, the Bills are capitalizing on that weakness now that the Patriots lost Brady. For for sure, for sure. So Brady was very thankful for that division. That leads us into our next segment, what we're going to go into. Thanksgiving theme. Thanksgiving is, we're recording on Wednesday night, so Thanksgiving is tomorrow. So a lot of people are going to be thankful tomorrow. We, me and you are going to are going to say one person or one team or whoever in sports who is thankful and what they're thankful for. So who's giving thanks tomorrow? I'm incredibly thankful for Daryl Morey. I, I don't know what I'd be doing without Daryl Morey right now. Philadelphia sports is in a really bad place. And especially like two, three weeks ago, whenever we got him, like it was an even worse place. The Eagles are a disaster. The Eagles are a disaster. Like Mina Kimes said, their offense is a tornado of suck, which is Mm. most beautifully way to say how bad this team is. The Phillies have had back-to-back years of coming up short and choking down the stretch. The I'm not, fires are looking up, but like I only really pay attention to them when the playoffs start. And the, and I'm missing a team. So, oh, Sixers, I'll get to them. And even the Union just went best record in the MLS and they lose in the it. first round, 2 0. They hadn't lost at home all year. They lose. I turn it on, assume allowed two goals. <laughs> and and the Sixers, it really looked like they missed their window with Embiid and Simmons. They were strapped with the bad contract of Forford. I really thought 
I was having dark thoughts like, oh, we had the chance with Jimmy Butler and we screwed it up and now we're never going to have that shot again. But Daryl Morey comes in. The front office actually did something right, which I did not think was possible after all the screw-ups they've made post-Tanky. And he gets rid of the Horford contract and we get Danny Green immediately. immediately. And and I finally have like long-term, like I was, the Sixers have never been good in my lifetime until this Embiid Simmons run. And I got two years of like, hey, they might win the title someday. And then I thought it was gone. And he's revived that. I have, I'm thinking of all the ways we could possibly win a title over the next couple years because he's built teams from, he was great with the Celtics, helping build the team in 08, went to the Rockets, built the team that almost beat the greatest team of all time in the Warriors. I, I'm just so thankful I have this bubble of hope in the mess of shit that the rest of Philadelphia sports is. <laughs> you need something to cling on to. To be honest, I don't think it would have taken much for you to cling on to something. Like you said, you needed something in this pile of shit that is Philadelphia sports right now to cling on to. Daryl Moy gave it. But what I think was really interesting and what Daryl Moy did is we talked about it before, how Elton Brand talked about how he didn't like the little committee atmosphere that he had as a GM. He didn't really have the final say. They finally say they're giving that to him. They get rid of that that five-man boardroom that he had to consult with to make decisions. Say he's the late GM, and then two weeks later, hire Daryl Morey on a five-year contract right above him. And now we all know, when you hire Daryl Morey, like Daryl Morey is making the decisions here. He, he is calling the shots, but he didn't mess it up. Like he came in, identified team needs, and just did not waste time doing it. Like I think there was a hesitation on trying to move this Al Horford contract to get like, what are we going to get the best value? How are we going to get it out? And Daryl Morey was like, the best thing to do is just to get out of it. That's the best value is to get it out. I don't really care what we get back for it. Like get it off of our plate. And I think that's just what the organization was looking for. It's what the fans were looking for. And, and we we, uh, we could argue we upgraded at backup center with the guy we're paying the veteran minimum now. Because Dwight Howard it. isn't going to try to play like a star. He's, he's no. playing on the veteran minimum. He'll get rebounds and he'll dunk the ball when he's open. That's all I need him to do. That's and that's all he will do. That's a, and he, he plays much, a much faster pace than Al Horford. You don't have to slow up your role like you did for Al Horford. But then you talk about getting Danny Green. You talk about getting Seth Curry. You talked about the, the two draft picks of, of Tyreek Maxey and Isaiah Joe, who really Isaiah Joe is like, you know, is Matisse Stiebel 2.0. I'm, real, I'm really here. getting too excited about Maxey. Like, I've convinced myself he's actually a good shooter, even though he only shot 29% from three. Like, when well, he had 40% he against is? the top 25 teams and... Like he has what a good free throw percentage, so yeah, he has. And Kentucky guards have historically been undervalued in the draft. Undervalued, and then what year two or three they make a jump? Devin Booker, Jamal Murray. I mean, the the list goes on with these Kentucky guards. Fox, Hero, De'Aaron Fox. Like they they they, they come in undervalued. Devin and Booker, if you didn't say him already, I, that was the first yeah. name I believe. That was the first name I said, but. Like, I think there's a bunch of team needs that the Sixers needed. Obviously, shooting was like the one glaring everybody in the face. Um, backup center, they addressed that too. But low-key, like a guy who could put the ball on the floor and go get you a bucket, you know, from three-point line to rim, that, that guy who, who can put his head down and go to the rim, a fast player, they needed one of those. They didn't really have that, you know, besides Ben Simmons. And there's not too many times Ben Simmons gets from the, from the three-point line to the basket because people are playing so off of him. And Tyrese Maxey is one of those guys. The floor is going to be spread now when you have the shooters. And when you kick out the Tyrese Maxey, he's going to have a lane to drive. We didn't have too many players like that when they got rid of Jimmy Butler. And Tyrese Maxey is that. It was, I mean, 
I didn't expect him to fall to the Sixers at 21. And this, they've done this before where they've messed up the pick that fell to them. And sometimes you got to just take what the universe is giving you. Like, so you go in with a plan, but when Tyrese Maxey falls to you, it's like, screw the plan. The best player available is there. Take him. And the Sixers did it. Yeah. Seth Curry, I just want to go back to him. He is either the highest or second highest three-point percentage in NBA history. And Simmons does nothing better than getting people open threes. He's like, LeBron, he, him and LeBron are the two best players in the league at getting players open threes. And he, oh, I'm, he's not, he does, he's not like as versatile as Redick as like off ball movement as Redick was, but oh, I'm, I'm so glad we have a reliable shooter on the team again. That catch and shooter is there. Ben Simmons was among the league leader and three point, three pointers made, three point, like made three pointers created off of assists. So, I mean, this and, was and, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, and Shake Milton being our three point shooters last year. It's funny because Shake Milton gets pushed back down now. Shake Milton like had, had his little claim to fame with his back. Back-to-back thirty-point games got put in the starting lineup. Did like eh, and now he's now Shake he's back Milton as an eighth man is so much better than Shake Milton as a sixth man because you don't yeah, need yeah. him to be that good all the time. You just need him to have those moments, which is what he has. Very true. Very true. Y'all Sixers fans got a lot to be thankful for. Daryl Moore is the reason for that. I'm going with my division foe, the New Orleans Saints. Thankful that the Buccaneers can't play in prime time. That's what. That's why they're thankful. If the Buccaneers were capable in prime time, if we could play well at eight fifteen on any given day, we'd have the division lead right now. The Buccaneers are sitting at seven and four. We have four losses. Three of them are in prime time. We're talking about the Bears, sixteen to fifteen loss against the Bears. That just that taste will never get out of my mouth. Like that. That is just that. that that's a, a pill and a, and a loss that I can't that I can't swallow. That that I can't come to grips with. Next one was getting absolutely embarrassed on Sunday night football against the Saints. And then this past weekend or this past Sunday night, two weekends ago, or I'm sorry, this past Monday night football game, you know, you know, losing to, to the Rams who I, the Rams are a good football team, man. They're seven and three now. And we know about what they are on the defensive side of the football, but I just feel like we should have beaten the Rams. I just, I've never trusted a Jared Goff led team and, we're a team with the best run defense, one of the you know one of the top two pass rushers in the league, and we just failed to make Jared Goff uncomfortable at all. And the Saints now with Drew Brees going down, cracking every rib in his body, having to go with Taysom Hill at quarterback. They get the benefit of playing the Falcons with that first game. Taysom Hill looked really good at quarterback. We get it, but he also played the Falcons. They're just so thankful that the Buccaneers can't play in prime time and they don't have to face him again through the end of the season. So even if we end up with the same record. The Saints have that tiebreaker. I just think the Saints should be very thankful that we're inept when it comes to 815 football. I know we have a rule against the NFC East, but I'm going to break it right here. It's hysterical that the Eagles are undefeated in primetime this year. So that's all of our wins. Three primetime I mean, wins. We're 0-6-1 outside of primetime. We're 3 and we're, talking about, we're talking about the depleted 49ers, the, the Giants, Giants and, and, the and the Cowboys. Crazy. That is crazy. But you better I, I hope do... you get the three o'clock playoff game, not the Saturday, not eight o'clock playoff game in the first round. <laughs> that and that's my fear. My fear is that the I mean I don't I don't I'm not counting the Buccaneers out in playoff contention. Obviously, they're, I think I do think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to get one of those three wild card spots. But I'm I'm fearful that one of those wild card games is going to be in, a, in prime time. <laughs> yeah, they always win. have the Saturday night NBC game, so you just got to avoid it. If we're going to make a deep playoff run, at some point you got to play under the lights and you got to win under the lights. And right now we're just I don't, I don't know what it is, 
We're just showing the ability to do that. Give us, give us a Sunday afternoon game. Give us a one o'clock game. Give us a four o'clock game, whatever. We'll probably beat your squad. Like we're probably winning. But like, so for some reason, when the, when the sun goes down, when it gets dark out and the lights come on, I mean, it's it maybe maybe Tom Brady's body has like an ex like a uh, you know an expiration time, like a, a time where it's just brittle. But those are the, that's the only time Tom Brady has looked old is in the prime time. Threw the ball twice. <laughs> tried, that was so funny that he tried to throw the ball twice. That was hilarious. And people almost didn't notice it. Like, I think that it happened so fast that you just tried to get out of his hand again. I mean, hey, if they don't blow, keep playing until they blow the whistle. Keep playing until they, they blow the whistle. That, I'm, I'm all there for it. Uh, but that's that's who I'm thankful for. Respond to us on social media, who you guys think is most thankful in the sports world, you know, this Thanksgiving holiday season. Uh, we're going to move on actually right into countdown since Kyle's not here. There's no this past weekend sports. That's number five. Number five is for the number of players to sign a max extension contract this NBA offseason. That's Bam Adebayo with the Heat, five years, $186 million. De'Aaron Fox with the Kings, five years, $163 million. Donovan Mitchell with the Jazz, five years, $163 million. Brandon Ingram with the Pelicans, five years, $158 million. And then Jason Tatum with the Celtics, five years, $193 million. Who was the best signing? Adebayo's incredible value that they got him for that long before he hit the Supermax, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the right. things you need to hit for it. Getting Him and Jason Tatum are equal players, and you get him for like $30 million cheaper. That's great That's value. True. I, I, in that same vein, I think the Jazz did a great job with getting Donovan Mitchell when they got him. His was a rookie max extension with the highest rookie max extension in history. And it's good you give him that max now because when he gets off that rookie contract, it's a super max and it's it's 200 plus million dollars. So you get him for that value now. That's good. But all five of these players very well deserve this contract, very well deserve these max extensions. And we're looking at five five teams that are going to make a jump next year. Maybe not the Kings losing Bogdan, but you know they still got they still shared up Darian Fox. We got two number five. So again, number five. Uh, the number of goals Diego Maradona scored in the 1986 World Cup, leading Argentina to its second World Cup victory in its history. Diego Maradona died earlier today at the age of 60. He was he is basically a god in Argentina to them. Like there are people in Argentinian news like crying, and it's it's. And he meant so much to a lot of people. A very interesting and flawed life. Great HBO documentary about him. And one of the most exciting sportsmen of his era. And rest in peace to Diego Maradona. Rest in peace was an inspiration to one of my favorite soccer players, Lionel Messi, obviously a very famous Argentinian soccer player too. Um, and, and his World Cup in, you know, back then in 1986 is... is one of the most famous World Cup runs that that we've that we've known him. One of the most highest scoring, and obviously, you know, is is going to forever live on in history. So, absolutely, R.I.P. to Diego Maradona. We're moving on to number four, and number four through one in this week's countdown is going to be college football playoff edition because uh, the first college football playoff rankings were released. Obviously, we know the top four go to the playoff, and so we're going to use this countdown as a way to kind of break down these four teams. Uh, number four is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, you know, uh, coming in at number four, the leaders of the Big Ten right now, ten and zero, uh, with you know, with with just a, a very impressive resume. One of the Heisman runner, Heisman Trophy runner, front runners, and Justin Fields. Um, so Ohio State comes in at, at number four in this week's college football playoff ranking. Yeah, um, 
Don't know why they got a little punished for playing a close game against Indiana. That was kind of BS. But number three, you got my favorite Clemson Tigers. They're number three in the college football rankings. I guess it's because they... A road loss to Notre Dame with your backup quarterback is, like, understandable. But I was shocked they were number three. I was, I I was thought about to bring that number up. Four. I like, was about to bring yeah. that up, that I do think Ohio State should be number three. I'm not sure. Like, they gave Clemson the benefit of the doubt for losing to Notre Dame at Notre Dame with no Trevor Lawrence. But then they criticize Ohio State for winning a close game against Indiana. It doesn't make much sense. Which Indiana is still a ranked team, number nine. They're still a top 10 team at the time that they beat them. They blew them out. They blew them out of the water. Like, I I, I don't understand. Well, Clemson you know, did blow out Miami, so that's Clemson's, like, biggest win. So Right, right. Miami, Miami's still a very good top 10 team. All right, going down to number two, that's Notre Dame, uh, you know, who, who's, you know, this is the, I, I believe, the, the second time that they've been number two in the college football playoff era. Ian Book is, is having a very strong season. And look, the last four national championship winners have come from the number two position. So Notre Dame is looking really good. And, and, you know, this is a team who, you know, has has their quabbles when it comes to, you know, playoff football. And they're looking to rewrite that history this year. There's a good chance that Clemson and Notre Dame play three times in a season, which I'm pretty sure has never happened. Because if Clemson wins the rematch, then they'll be one and one against each other. So now, then they have to play the rubber match. That would yeah. be an interesting thing to happen. Not just for me, but I think for all college sports. Right. Number one. The ranking Alabama is, they have been the most dominant team in the country so far. What they did to Arkansas was Arkansas, right? Yeah. Yeah. 63 to three. Yikes. Yikes. They're Bama's Bama, and they're back. It was Kentucky, not Arkansas, but same difference. Right. Uh, and they're back, and they're always going to be there. They're never going to go away. When they went away last year, it was a fluke. And remember, Alabama's down years is when they only when they go 10-2. So mm. <laughs> they're never really going to go away, at least as long as Saban's there. Um, and they're the standard. And I just want to say about everything else, BYU really got screwed. Yeah, I know yeah. they play like nobody, but like 14 is rough. 14 that, is rough. No one was no one was calling for BYU to be in the college football playoff, but to leave them outside of the top 10 is is harsh. 14 is real harsh. You have you have, you know, you know one of the one of the highest prospects going to the NFL draft next year at quarterback and they have an open slot available. And they're almost being punished for for not playing anybody and, and having that open slot available. So We'll see if they look to fill it. Um, you know, that that'll be interesting. But going back to Alabama at number one, but they they have a Heisman Trophy like dark horse and Najee Harris, who's having one of the best seasons of an Alabama running back of all time. And when you and that's talk a about lot that, of people that can be in that conversation. A lot of people, all pretty much all of them Heisman Trophy winners. Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, like the list goes on. Like the, that's that's an extensive group to be the best of all time. Going way back, you got Sean Alexander. Yeah, like Najee Harris is, is absolutely, you know, having a stellar season for Alabama. Like you said, man, they're the standard. But Nick Saban just caught COVID again for the second time this season. It's not gonna it's not gonna coach against Auburn, a very good Auburn team, ranked number 22, the Iron Bowls this weekend. He's not gonna coach against them. Is that is that the chance for Alabama to get knocked off? Auburn always like Auburn can always beat Bama. So that's definitely a shot. But I think I think there's so much Bama benefit of the doubt because if they lose, like they just need to win the next week and they'll mm-hmm. be fine. So they can honestly like afford a loss. They they always do that. They they want Bama in the title game. That's 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 the NCAA man. They want Bama in the title game. All right, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a good one. We can get some shots about the buzzer real quick. Got anything to say to the buzzer? 
this is gonna hurt, but I gotta do it. If it do was it. any other team, I would do it too. Do it. But I got I gotta really get mad at Clemson. I really gotta do it. It's last week and they had their game uh, canceled against Florida State due to COVID stuff. And then Dabo Swinney has the gall to say, oh, they were afraid to play us because we were going to yeah. blow them out. We should play them back in Death Valley. They should reimburse us for all the stuff. And it comes out that the game got canceled because Dabo was stupid enough to practice a player with COVID symptoms. He practiced him. And, and honestly, you should have, if you do something that stupid, you should like have to forfeit the game. Yeah, Honestly, yeah. you really should. Be because part, this is killing 250,000 people and it's going to kill more. And like, you're no, you're not going to kill the other college students because we, people that age barely, barely die from it. But you know what's going to happen? They're going to infect other people who are going to infect other people who eventually affect, infect people who are at risk for dying of COVID. He risked people's lives because he's a moron, and then he has the gall to blame Florida State. This is this is a pandemic. We've all shut down our lives for like nine months, and it's going to be longer for. And you have, kid, you have to practice this kid. And Dabo's been dumb about COVID before with flying planes early on. And oh my God, it's you have to have a harsh punishment for people who do something this reckless. And I really think they sh- they should have been like if they they sh- they've. Sh- you have to have consequences for something that could literally kill people by doing right. it. I mean, the, the NCAA hasn't punished anybody, really. The NFL hasn't punished anybody, really. That doesn't look like they're going to. And I got to point blame at not the head coach, but your star quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, because when that game got postponed, he tweeted, damn, we were ready to play. It's not about if you're ready to play. Like, no, no one was no one was asking if you were ready to play. Trevor, how you feeling? No one, no one was asking that. We're, we're in a pandemic. So if you have players still getting COVID-19, still getting positive tests, then you cannot play the game. That's the smart thing to do. Like, it's it's not about whether you were geared up and ready to go. Like, no, no one asked you that question, Trevor. And I, I've been a little upset with Trevor Lawrence because he was the leading brigade of getting the college football season back up and running. You know, way, way back in, in, you know, late July, August, He's the, he's, you know, leading the petition to get signed to, you know, we want to play, you know, we're going to make sure it's safe. We're going to make sure that all we're taking all precautions and we're going to make sure that we're going to be able to play. And then he gets COVID and misses two games. And then now his team is, is, is causing people extra games as well. And his response is, damn, we were ready to play. Like they're, we're they're missing the entire point. They're continuing it. And I think the NCAA is, is enabling that. Without without any punishment regarding it, the, the NCAA, you know why they're the not going to make Clemson forfeit a game because they want to see Clemson play Notre Dame for a third time in the college football playoff. Rating, and maybe do another, yeah. They don't want. They don't want. I mean, come on, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick next year. They don't want to take him off of TV as much as possible. They know that Clemson is going to get into the playoff. They want to make sure that, that everybody sees that. The, Trevor Lawrence is the NCAA's greatest product right now. Him and Justin Fields. So they're not going to take that off the field. Maybe Kyle Trask, but they're not going to take that off the field you know they're, they're not gonna do that um so it's it's both the ncaa and the nfl just are are adop- adopting covid into their like just into their season that's what's making me most mad is there's there's no precaution taking for it there's an adoption of covid like it's an injury mm-hmm. like they're treating it like a high ankle sprain like, oh, he's got COVID, put him on the COVID list, reevaluate him in 10 days. If he passed all the necessary requirements, he can go out and play again. No, this is this is not it. This is a disease. 
not a not an ankle sprain. You have to treat it completely differently. And the NCAA and the NFL are just like, hey, if you get COVID, just sit by yourself in a corner for a couple of days. We'll test you again. And if you pass that test, we'll just throw you back out in the field. You with, have to look with, at why they got it in the first place. It's... Which which is being there. I'll never forget it, man. Nick Saban got COVID and four day, four days later magically passed all his tests and was out coaching again. Like I'm I won't be surprised if we see Nick Saban back on the field this Saturday in the Iron Bowl. He's he feeling it, symptoms this time, so I think it's a little different. He says he has mild symptoms. Last time, he didn't have symptoms. So. All right, that's your shot. My shot at the buzzer is you can see my Nova shirt right now. College basketball is back. Amid all this craziness, college basketball is back. It's on tonight. Nova plays tonight at 9 p.m. They play Boston College, the number three ranking. I'm really hyped about college basketball Boston this year. Boston College is number three? Yeah. No, no, Nova is number three. I was going to say. Boston College is a rank. Boston College. That's a good team. But I was gonna say, like, where did that come from? Yeah, where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Nova, Nova looks like they might repeat as national champions, man. I'm really hyped for college basketball. But along the same lines of what we're talking about, like, I'm, I'm my hopes for a complete college basketball season are not high. They're just not. I mean, they, they've announced that they're going to do the NCAA tournament bubble style. All games we played in, in, in Indianapolis. Cool. But we got to get there. Like, we, we, still have to, we still have to get to March. It's November. Like, it still very much can be canceled, but I guess the one reason that it won't be is because the NCAA just won't cancel it. Like, we've seen what they're doing with college football. Maybe they'll do the same thing with college basketball, but the difference is college basketball teams play two to three times a week, not one. They lost a lot of money canceling March Madness last time. There's no way they're going to let it happen again. So much, so much money. God. But, like, people are dying. It's 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 a global pandemic. Whatever, I, I, I can't I can't do it anymore. It stresses me out. I can't talk about it anymore. That's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to my man Stat Matt Robinson for always coming through. Kyle Sierk, hope you're getting that good studying done, man. Ace all your finals and and join us back. Um, but for the whole crew, I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up. Awesome, 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 awesome. awesome. Awesome, awesome.